saving all my love for you. Yes, saving all my love for you. Yes, saving all my love for you by Whitney Houston is the number one song. Jagged Edge, starring Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges, has the top spot at the box office. And if you've ever seen Back to the Future, it's also the day when all that shit goes down. Today, we are going back to October 26th, 1985. It's also my brother's fourth birthday, I think, at that time. Oh my gosh, uh, October wow. 26, 1985. Yeah. And possibly when I was conceived. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... Uh, like, I did the math, and it seems like that's... You probably win. That all happened. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Jagged Edge, by the way? Because I didn't know this was a movie. Never have, heard of it. No. Unfortunately, I'm not the biggest Jeff Bridges fan. I'm not, like, an anti-fan, but I, he doesn't bring me in. As much as I love going close, I have not seen Jagged Edge. I don't even know what it's about. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> it's a... F- Noir, like neo noir film. Oh, I looked it up a little bit. Doesn't seem to be like something I would watch, but <laughs> listeners, please write in. Let us know if we should actually watch it. Hey, y'all! Welcome to the Wayback Recap, a podcast that obsessively explores all things past, from our favorites in TV and film to skip it, skip it, attach it to your ankle through a hoop, spinning it around 360 degrees while jumping over the giant ball that counts how many you skips. Basically, if you're unfamiliar with the skip it, I myself am very familiar. I was very attached to my purple skip it. I loved it very much. So it's like um, that old timey medieval weapon, a mace. It's like a ball on the (laughs) end of a long piece of plastic and you would swing it around your ankle and jump over it. Sounds easy enough, right? Wrong. What you actually do is clobber yourself in the ankle (laughs) with a hard plastic ball that you're whipping around your body. I am sure 30 years later, my ankle problems are because of my fucking skip it. But I loved it. I never had one. Like, personally, my older sister had one. It was yellow. I liked it. Didn't really do the skip it thing. I just liked it because the commercial was fun and the jingle was great. Really you good. even sang it because you knew it. I did. We did skip it before. I don't As think so. Little, like, okay, I could have sworn we did, but maybe we didn't. I checked on our drive and I didn't see anything, so that's why I included it. Here's the thing, Also, bud. the commercial's on there if you do want to watch it. I watched the commercial. It's great. It's hot. Because I... I you know me, I tend to like layer uh, jingles and I sing jingles for products that don't belong to that jingle. So I did double check it before <laughs> I sang it. Um, yeah, wild. It was a wild toy. Oh, I was going to say, um, it's so hard when we're writing scripts, like we're 45 episodes in almost now. And it's so hard to remember the nostalgic things we've already talked about versus things that I've like yeah. considered putting in scripts or that we've just talked about in passing. It's tricky. I'm sure somewhere in the episode, if y'all remember, let us know. Write us yeah. in. Also, if you have pictures of yourself with Skip It or if you still have a Skip It, I would like to see it. For sure. I My record was 104. Could you beat it? Let me know. I'm going to get a Skip It now and do that. It was hard. I thought it would stop at 100, but it didn't. (laughs) I could just picture your mom yelling at you for just skipping it in the house for some reason. Like, I feel like you would do it in your room just to, like, before you did it outside to show all the neighborhood kids. It's so funny that you bring that up. Uh, Sue, there was no skip it in the house. Sue had a pretty hard rule about, like, anything with wheels or that you whipped around, not inside. (laughs) And she, we had like a wooden deck in our backyard, and she hated it, the noise that the skip, because they're like, over the wooden deck. So I had to legit take that shit like down the street if I wanted to play with it. <laughs> so I was going around the block on my skip. That's an image I like to see. <laughs> I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And this episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite all-time cartoons. Actually, favorite like franchises multiverses i don't know because uh, there are multiverses in this there i are. recently learned during this um research for this we're talking the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo yes. i fucking love scooby-doo dude yes. like scooby-doo is my cartoon yeah it's an yeah. american treasure yeah i honestly think like if there was ever i can't i 
if there was ever something like associated with your name, I think of Scooby-Doo. Like with you, I think of Scooby-Doo, The Real World, and Survivor. Those are my three like wow. brand and pulp culture things. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that because those are kind of like the things that I like really enjoy. I I mean, I have always loved Scooby-Doo, but let me talk about the show. We'll talk more about it. And like, honestly, I'm geeked and ready for this because, again, fucking love Scooby-Doo. So Scooby-Doo originally premiered and broadcast on CBS in 1969. Huge hit. Really great. Various different reiterations of the show uh, lasted on CBS until about 1976. It starred the Scooby Gang. Uh, I'm going to go through the lineup here to start off first. We'll talk about Fred. I think Fred's last name is Jones, if I remember correctly. This is off the top of my head. Freddie is kind of the leader of the group who is the one always driving the mystery machine, which is the green 60s van <laughs> the Scooby Gang drives around solving mysteries. Blonde hair, kind of handsome, also kind of annoying. We also have Daphne. I forget what Daphne's last name is. Oh my god, it's going oh, to come to me later. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Because we learn it in so many Daphne of the Blake. movies. Oh. Yes. Daphne Blake. Good job. Damn, Brandon. Thanks, Fred. Uh Daphne Blake is kind of the quote-unquote pretty girl of the group. She's a redhead wearing this really cool 60s purple outfit with these really unique-looking shoes, a green headband. It's an iconic look. It's been on fucking Drag Race. You've seen everyone do it. Sarah Michelle Gellar did it really great. She's always kind of like the damsel in distress, and she's Freddie's girlfriend. That's kind of how I see her. But I also think starting in the 80s, Daphne kind of steps out on her own, and then you kind of see kind of Daphne evolve from there. From But we'll get into that. <laughs> then we also have Velma Dinkley, who is the smart one, the one who's in my opinion, solving most of the cases. She's wearing the iconic orange turtleneck sweater and miniskirt, glasses. I can't see without my glasses. That is something that I very strongly, very strongly understand in Velma Dinkley because I cannot also see without my glasses. Like, I am completely blind without them. So... Jinkies is her kind of like catchphrase that she says a lot whenever she kind of it's like an exclamation usually if she finds a clue or something kind of interesting it almost says Jinkies then we have our two I would say throughout all of Scooby-Doo's iterations the two recurring characters for sure are Norville Shaggy Rogers who is a stoner hippie I mean quite honestly that's what he is yeah fact he's always eaten He's cowardly. <laughs> and then Shaggy's trustful Great Dane dog, the titular Scooby-Doo. Scooby is a giant brown Great Dane who can talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, literally. Like, I was trying to think of a better way to say it, and there isn't one. He can talk. He is very much cowardly as well as Shaggy as well as very hungry I don't know if Shaggy or excuse me I don't know if Scooby is a stoner but I know Shaggy definitely is but I'm assuming if he's around Shaggy all the time Scooby's gotta be a little bit high for sure plus you know there's that that there's that old adage that your dog that the dogs like neuroses mirror the owner's neuroses so it's like is Shaggy hungry all the time Scooby wants to get in on that yeah and I appreciate that me too so this core group was very successful for CBS when it first premiered in 1969, Patricia. Jeez. I want to reiterate that. 1969. Fucking year the um, we went to the moon. That's when fucking Scooby-Doo came out. Mama. Damn. And the series, uh, I think it's Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Was the first series of Scooby-Doo that was like a huge hit for Hanna-Barbera as well as CBS at the time. The gang essentially traveled around in their mystery machine to go solve mysteries in towns. And it usually ended up that like their ghost character or monster of the week was actually a person in a costume. I would say 100% of the time that's what happened. Um, and it was a huge, huge draw for people to, the, to CBS as well as those cartoons from Hanna-Barbera. So much so that Hanna-Barbera just completely just started churning out... Scooby-Doo copycats. Yep. You're talking Josie and the Pussycats. You're talking about Jabberjaw. Those are two of my favorites. Uh, Speed Buggy, I think, which was like a car solving I mysteries with people. It. 
There was one that had like a ghost dog. There was all kinds of <laughs> shit. That I'm just like, all right, we need to stop. But the biggest one was Scooby Doo. Yep. It lasted on CBS until 1976. Again, various iterations of the kind of Scooby gang doing different things, different series along that time. However, once the option was bought by ABC, they decided to do some changes around a little oh. bit. Okay. So in 1979, they've had this series for about three years at this point, and it's doing all right, but the ratings are kind of starting to drop a little bit. We've had it for about 10 years now. Same fucking shit. <laughs> People are getting tired of it. And also, I'm... Um, Quite honestly, the kids are probably growing out of it, too, right? Like, if you're For watching sure. cartoons at 10, you're 20 at this point. But, I mean, I'm 34. Oh, shit. I'm almost 36. I lost two years of my life. <laughs> I still watch Scooby-Doo and cartoons. Well, I also think, like, maybe at this time, like, it's not like today where we can go on Boomerang and watch as much Scooby-Doo as we want, right? So, like, if you're 1979, Truth. and you're like, oh, yeah, I did like to watch Scooby-Doo when I was a kid, the chance of them like catching a rewatch of it you know what i mean like 20 year olds are doing different stuff on saturday mornings than 10 year olds so even if they wanted to watch it it probably wasn't available like they just couldn't catch it so it was a little different back then yeah dude well in 1979 to give the show some new blood they introduced a new character this character has been very controversial scrappy doo scooby's nephew who is a smaller (laughs) great dane with a giant head tiny body who is a lot braver than his uncle, but looks up to him and is quote unquote annoying. I don't have those feelings with Scrappy Doo. A lot of people do not like Scrappy Doo. I love the addition of Scrappy Doo. Just throwing it out there. I'm a pro Scrappy person. Um, I'm also strictly pro Scrappy, but it's because I think I'm Scrappy. <laughs> like in the which Scooby Gang <laughs> character are you? I'm definitely Scrappy. So I'm like, oh, I think Scrappy's great. <laughs> He's helpful. You see yourself as Scrappy? Yeah. Like you. It, you would jump in, like, you're not scared. You'd be like, oh, man, let me go into this haunted house. Like, Scrappy was all about that. And Scooby, a lot of times, would have to go in and save his nephew. That's who true. Woefully, you know what I mean? That's true. I'm not very unqualified. brave. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm. My mind is still blown that people didn't like Scrappy. Like, I thought well, Scrappy, like, I thought he, like, came and saved the show. I thought people loved him. <laughs> you're right. He did, actually. More people began to watch it. And... It was about to be canceled. However, that rehauled the show, and they actually even changed the name of the show to the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. Wow. Or something along those lines, because Scrappy was that popular. A lot of people, I don't understand like their hatred for Scrappy. I call those people stupid, because <laughs> Scrappy is a lot of fun. Like, of course, a puppy that's like kind of ignorant about what's going on and super brave and getting a scaredy cat uncle in trouble that's like my nephews yeah, i'm a crazy adorable. uncle who's stoned and hungry yeah, yeah that's come adorable on, guys. come on come on and who doesn't love puppies just I'm throw saying. it out there for you especially like a wise cracking one who thinks he knows better than the older people around him i love that yeah and again this whole show was overhauled because of Scrappy, and I think that may have to do with why some people don't oh, like sure. it. When I say when I say overhauled, like things completely changed in the sense that like Daphne, Fred, and Velma were gone. They got rid of them for a little bit, and it was just Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy like traveling around doing stuff. <laughs> and I don't really think those are my favorite cartoon versions of Scooby Doo. Like I don't really care for those that much, except for like the Scooby Doo Scrappy in shaggy movies like uh my personal favorite the ghoul school like scooby-doo and the ghoul school highly recommend that film i don't know if we've done an episode on that yet but we should because it is high class cinema like just throwing it out there love it add it to the list also the reluctant werewolf and scooby-doo and the boo brothers like i watched those religiously as a kid (laughs) which did have just scrappy scooby and shaggy however like the cartoon like the series I was all pro, like, the entire Scooby gang around. Mm -hmm. With this 1980 overhaul, we also saw that Scooby-Doo started to uh, become, I hate saying this word, and I, it's really hard for me, so don't judge me. He became more of, like, a anthropomorphic figure uh, because he started standing on two legs and talking more as before on, like, CBS, he was constantly on four legs. Like, he was actually a dog mm-hmm. who would run around and do stuff. Like, occasionally stand up. But in this new series, he's basically just walking around like a person and talking. Mm-hmm. So we kind of saw that, like, 
dropping Fred, Daphne, and Velma was kind of a back thing. Like, there was backlash to that. So, in 1983, the new Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo <laughs> show added the addition of Daphne into the series, which was voiced again by Heather North, the original actress. She came in. She helped Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy solve mysteries. She was... Um, an undercover reporter for a teen magazine that was kind of like their cover for why they were traveling a lot. And I do think adding Daphne was great, but there was some controversy in the fact that people were like, Daphne's still kind of like this damsel in distress and people were having to save her. But I always felt like she was the most competent out of all of them. I was just going to say, Daphne's the designated adult. You Like, Shaggy <laughs> right? is a doofus. Like, Shaggy cannot be the person in charge. Like, I think, no, I disagree with them. I think Daphne, A, provides the cover story. B, she's a reporter, so she's good at getting details. And C, she has to be in charge. Like, come on, guys. I agree. So, But this was very popular. Again, this lasted for about two seasons. In the second season, they started airing it as a new title called The New Scooby-Doo Mysteries. Um, from 1984 to 1985, we'd then see like Fred and Velma kind of show up occasionally for appearances on the show, either together or just one of them, but not always. It was kind of like... I think the backstory for them, they had jobs or something like that, so they weren't... A, around as much which is very interesting but then that takes us to today's episode the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo which is the seventh incarnation of the scooby-doo franchise it premiered on september 7th 1985 and only ran for one season on abc as a half hour program which is upsetting because i fucking love this series it's one of my favorite scooby-doo series of the entire group i don't know what do you think how would you rank this with say Scooby-Doo where are you um, also just kind of jump ahead a couple decades have you ever watched uh, Mysteries Inc or like the like the kind of serialized version of Scooby-Doo that ran for a few years for sure I think it was on the CW for that's sure that's a really good series Vivica so, A. Fox plays a character on it's that it's really good um, okay so let me unpack a couple of my possibly controversial opinions on Scooby-Doo Number one, you don't need Fred. Fred can totally go away forever. Not losing anything with the loss of Fred, in my opinion. I think Velma is very, very smart, but is kind of a dud. So by the time we get to 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, we have gotten to my kind of perfect situation where we have Shaggy, Scooby, uh, Scrappy, and Daphne. I'm like, these are my power four. I love it. I'm here for it. I think having Velma, like, pop in sporadically is a good idea because she is smart and she does add things. Um, I love 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. It's so spooky and dumb and I love it. But I do think when you call the show 13, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, you're limiting yourself. Like, that was definitely only going to be one season. Like... Well, I'll get into that a little later, but okay. we'll talk about it. For those of us who don't know what the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo is, again seventh incarnation of this wild historic series uh so in the initial episode the gang are kind of thrown off course again daphne is a reporter we gotta remember this they're on their way to honolulu on daphne's plane instead they're thrown off course and they land in the himalayas while inside a temple scooby and shaggy are tricked by two ghosts they're kind of bumbling their names are <laughs> bogle and weird and they are tricked into opening what they call what I shouldn't say they call, but what is the chest of demons, which sounds really terrifying. It's, in fact, a magical artifact that houses the 13 most terrifying and powerful ghosts and demons ever to walk the face of the earth. Yikes. Yeah. So Shaggy and Scooby, stupidly, they open it. And the ghost can only be returned to the chest by those who originally set them free. Shit. A.K.A. Scooby and Shaggy. They were accompanied by Daphne again, Scrappy-Doo, and a new character, Flim Flam, a young carn artist. Uh, <laughs> and they embark on a worldwide quest to kind of recapture and make sure the ghosts don't wreck any more havoc uh, that they've already kind of brought out into the world. Yeah. Oh, and there's also another character, which I really enjoy, uh, Flim Flam's friend. 
a warlock named Vincent Van Gogh, who is based upon and voiced by Vincent Price, iconic actor who played on a shit ton of horror movies. A lot of people, I'm aging myself here, probably remember him from the Thriller video. He's like the voiceover of that. Um, he has an iconic voice. Once you watch this cartoon, you'll know exactly who he is. He contacts the gang through his crystal ball and uses magic and with witchcraft to kind of like assist them while they try to capture these 13 ghosts. So um, I got to talk about Vincent Price for a minute. So first of all, Vincent Price on the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo is chef kiss perfect like the animated version of him is super duper great i love vincent interacting with scooby-doo it's very very funny as a kid i was very scared of vincent price like i had seen um the house on haunted hill as a very young person and it scared the bejeezer fuck out of me but i (laughs) but vincent price this is 1985 right so yes it's because of this job that Vincent Price took a meeting with Disney, who had been trying to get a meeting with Vincent Price for like a decade. And Vincent Price told Disney, no, 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 no. It was someone at Hanna-Barbera that was finally like, come on, Vincent, we'll take you to lunch. And they brought the Disney execs. The Disney execs come and they try to get Vincent to do one of their movies. But Vincent says he'll only do the movie if he gets to sing a song. Well, at the time, Vincent Price is obviously going to play a villain, right? At the time, villains didn't get songs in Disney movies. And so Vincent Price is like, I don't care. I want to do a song. I want to do a song or I'm not going to do it. (laughs) And so Disney was like, cool, okay, we'll give you a song. Turns out they got two songs. The movie was The Great Mouse Detective. Great Disney movie almost bankrupted Disney was almost the last movie Disney ever produced uh that's how oh yeah yeah this was like the nail in the coffin this was after Oliver and Company was a tank the Black Cauldron was a tank the 80s were a hard time and so by the time they got to the Great Mouse Detective they were like it's this this is their Hail Mary and it fucking bombed it was only the Little Mermaid that came right behind Great Mouse Detective and saved the company but Without Vincent Price, we don't get Disney villain songs. That means we don't get Poor Unfortunate Souls. We don't get any of that stuff. And I love Vincent Price. <laughs> I just think he needs. To, we need more shout outs for Vincent Price. Yeah, and way to advocate for yourself, dude. You know I'm what I mean? Like, this, let that be a lesson to everybody. The worst thing I can do is say no. Ask for something in a job offer. You know what I mean? Ask for more money. Ask Maybe. for benefits. Like, <laughs> ask for two. Uh, ask for double the money. Maybe they'll give you two. Like, yeah. do it, guys. Go Mama. for it. Okay, so back to the show. You kind of notice that like this format differs a bit from what we <laughs> have normally seen with Scooby Doo. We're actually dealing with ghosts and demons. Like this is a real occurrence in this universe of Scooby Doo. So this is a post-1984 Ghostbusters world that we're talking about. A huge fucking movie. Huge. and we're Very not, popular. We're not talking... Because as Brayden already said, in classic Scooby-Doo, you find out it was the carnival operator the whole time just in a scary mask. And as a kid, that was very... Especially I'm a coward. We've talked about it several times. That was very reassuring to me. You're like, oh, the scary pirate ghost, it's actually just the janitor. That is not <laughs> that is not true on the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Like these are demons, capital D demons. Like we are not fucking around. Yeah, man. And I mean, you got the king of horror Vincent Price right there, Damn right? Right. And just like the previous series, the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries, they kind of wanted to give it a more contemporary feel, more updated. So two of our main characters, who actually wear clothes, <laughs> Daphne and Shaggy, are given redesigns to kind of fit like the mid-80s style. For instance, Daphne has a completely different haircut. Like she has kind of like that 80s, I don't even know what to call that, kind of like fair, no, it's not even fair or faucet, but kind of like a bowl cut. The most accurate depiction of this of an 80s thing i saw recently was candy where uh the character who gets murdered spoiler alert has that haircut and that's what made me think of like watching yeah Yeah, yeah, yes betty has that haircut yeah which is very 80s uh daphne's also no longer in the miniskirt yes weird thing here dude like she's still in the color purple like she wears it all the time 
she wears different outfits every episode, yeah. which is completely unheard of in like cartooning. Like all you've noticed, like cartoon characters always wear the same outfit. Not Daphne Blake. Not in the Thirteenth Ghost Scooby Doo. She didn't. She had a different outfit every week. It was purple. Yeah. Sometimes she would wear a purple jumpsuit. Sometimes it was a purple jumpsuit with a white vest. <laughs> Sometimes it was just like a purple hoodie. Bitch had different outfits, and I appreciate that. I also think this is again going to kind of show how long this show has been on air and how far animation techniques have come. Because in 1969, you simply did not have the animation capacity to animate different costumes on the kids because you were reusing stills all the time. But by 85, animation has come really far. Like, we're able to flip things faster. Everything is better. So it's fun to see that progression on the show. Absolutely. And, like, Shaggy even has different outfits. Yep. Granted, he wears the same one, which I feel like it's kind of true to his character as, like, a dirty <laughs> hippie. That's right. He wears the same clothes. Shaggy, instead of, like, green shirt, brown pants, and black shoes, is wearing more of, like, a red shirt, blue jeans, and, like, I think black shoes? I can't remember. Brown shoes, maybe? maybe. He has that, and he wears that pretty much throughout the 80s because he wears that in the Scooby-Doo movies, like, mm-hmm. uh, the ghoul school... Um, the Boo Brothers, as well as Reluctant Werewolf. Like, those outfits, I know for a fact that he wears. Mm-hmm. Again, we have Scooby and Scrappy. Not much is done with him other than Scooby standing on his feet and talking more. We're joined by Flim Flam, who is the only adolescent character. Like, Flim Flam's probably 10, 11 years old, who joins the Scooby gang at any point throughout the series. He's a con artist. He always is trying to sell something. He's a salesman. That's how they kind of got caught up with him. And, I mean, his name is Flim Flam. <laughs> and then we have Vince Van Gogh is dressed like a warlock. I mean, I don't know how to say that. Like, purple and blue. He has, like, this medallion on his neck. And he looks very otherworldly. <laughs> very uh, wizard-like. If, uh, for a, if you're looking for a more modern reference, I think that the neighbor in the Venture Brothers, Dr. Orpheus, is a direct ripoff of Vincent Van Gogh. Like, they look the exact same. I can same. see that. I can see that. Another feature with the series, uh, 13 Coast of Scooby-Doo, that was different than, like, the original series and the series before that, or after that, rather, we see a lot of self-parody, pop culture references, and fourth wall breaking. This is very typical. Uh, Tom Ruger, who created the show he's an associate producer who later on created shows like a pup named scooby-doo which is another one of my favorite 80s cartoons really and good. you see that there as well as tiny tunes and animaniacs like we've talked about oh, him dope. before in our show i believe yeah and those shows also kind of have like that fourth wall breaking and self-parodying references so for sure he kind of has a theme throughout all this stuff and that's the 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo. Like, some really interesting facts I wanted to give y'all before we actually dive deep into the episode. So if y'all are ready, I'm ready. Let's watch some TV after this commercial break. We open with a shot of a spooky castle and a voiceover from Vincent Van Gogh explaining that 13 ghosts have been set free and he doesn't know which one is the scariest, but the grossest creature he's ever seen is something called a dinner guest. As we cut to Scooby comically devouring dinner, revealing a wider shot, the rest of the gang doing the same thing at a dinner table at Vincent Van Gogh's house to Vincent's disgust. <laughs> we then hear a beeping which has Flim Flam and Scrappy jumping from the table and running to Vincent Van Gogh's eyeball-shaped TV. That's what it looks like. Yep. They go to investigate, and Vincent Van Gogh lets them know it's his monitor of activities in the spirit world, not a TV, which we all initially thought it was. I mean, it's still a TV. That's all I'm saying. It's shaped like an eyeball, but it's a TV. Plus, I think it even had like those old timey like rabbit ears. <laughs> like, yeah. Nice you try, Vincent. Lie to me, sir. Right. <laughs> all right, weird ghost man. Whatever. Oh, he's a wizard. Um, we get it. Everything has to be spooky. Okay. On the monitor, we see three witches known as the Brewski sisters. Van Gogh tells the gang that they are harmless and a bit hopeless, barely able to get their own brooms to fly, assuring the terrified Scooby and Shaggy they have nothing to worry about, and it's those witches are not from the chest of demons. All of a sudden, a mysterious fog begins to encroach on the sisters, which Vince Van Gogh then is 100% sure that that is definitely from the ghost of de- or chest of demons. Uh, Shaggy then asks, can they change the channel? Which is a... Uh, <laughs> Which is a totally I mean, fair like, reaction. Totally yeah. fair. He's like, ooh, don't like this. 
What happened to that dinner? Demon wind dust <laughs> stuff. Can we change the channel? We don't have to watch this. This is also kind of like a breaking of the fourth wall. Shaggy then changes the channel to Scooby Doo, where are you? And then Scooby's like giggling because he loves that show, which is just about him, uh, which I thought was really funny. But the announcer, weirdly enough, says the, the Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo show, but it says Scooby Doo, where are you? Like, that's, that's really weird. weird. I don't know about that. But again, it's a cartoon, so I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> dive too deep into that. Daphne scolds the duo and forces them to turn the channel back so they can see what the demon cloud is doing. Again, Daphne is the adult there. She's like, you idiots. We, You let these ghosts out, so we have to do this. So sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Also, I'm a famous reporter. We have to catch all these demons so we can go on with our lives. Like, let's wrap this <laughs> up. Do you guys like living in the spooky castle? I don't. Let's get all these demons. <laughs> the Brewski sisters are shown to be given the black book of spells from the scary mist, promising it will make them better witches with stronger spells. When Larry, oops, I mean Hilda, uh, who is actually voiced by Russie Taylor, jokes that it must be a self-help book and is immediately punched in the gut by her sister Wanda. <laughs> the reason I said Larry is because these witches are supposed to be the Three Stooges. They look yeah. like them. They act just like them. Like, it's obviously a reference to the Three Stooges. Yeah. Actually, she wouldn't be Larry. It'd be Curly, if I recall correctly. Like, I think Hilda is, like, the Curly of the group. Yeah. And Larry is Ernestine. And then... Mo. Uh, Wanda is Mo, yeah. Were you ever, were you a big uh, Three Stooges kid? Yes. I yeah. used to watch that shit all the time on the Family Channel back in the day. Yeah. Like, for real, for real. Like, I love the Three Stooges. I have no idea why. Like, just used to watch that. And then my big brother, Jake, or is that, what was that the show called? Do you remember that show? No. Okay. Well, I'll have to look that up because it might just be like a fever dream. But there was a show on Family Channel called Big Brother Jake. So when I was a kid, uh, I would have sometimes have to go over to my neighbor's house, Miss Maria, and she would like babysit us. She was really nice. Um, but when I was home during the day, because I doesn't matter. When I was home during the day at Miss Maria's house, I would watch like there would be an hour of I Love Lucy, and then there'd be an hour of The Three Stooges. And I always loved them both. I was more I was more into Lucy than I was into The Three Stooges, but I liked them both. Yeah, sorry. I don't mean to do that. I don't know if I can get sued. Um, Hilda even does like a catchphrase. She goes, hayuck, hayuck, or hayuck, hayuck, hayuck. So they're really trying to make this parallel between yeah, these three witches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mist then informs the sisters they must join her at Stonehenge at midnight to recite Spell 13, which will make them all the most powerful witches in the world as the mist magically takes off in a flurry. The Brewskis celebrate with a cheer. We are witches of the night. We're so hot, we're out of sight. S cooking. Na 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 na. Stupid stuff. Really stupid. Dumb, but I liked it. I loved it, and I was singing and it to myself the whole rest of the night after I watched this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, they do it the whole episode, which it's is great. funny. It's great. Uh, obviously, like after that, like if. You didn't realize these women were the Three Stooges. You now know for sure. Uh, the Scooby gang back in Vincent Van Gogh's castle is l looking around like, the fuck is going on? We're doomed <laughs> if they're going to become the most powerful because they are dumb. Like, truly and honestly, they were just like, oh, God. The witches then fly off into the night on their brooms as the gang wonders where to start. Van Gogh is like, y'all need to get that spell book while I go hunt down that demon mist and whoop some ass. Shaggy and Scooby are kind of relieved that they don't have to accompany Vincent Van Gogh on his terrifying mission as they run out the door to get the spell book. <laughs> I, I think just... Vincent's like talking about how like it's going to be super scary. He's like, no, you guys do this while I go handle these demons. 100% boss. You got it, Vincent. I'll go look at the book. I'll go to the library. You go catch the demon. <laughs> By all means, we'll be oh. back here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not even getting paid to do this. I'm definitely going to do the research part. Van Gogh then casts a spell that teleports him to... I don't know where the hell he goes, but he's teleported somewhere to go hunt down the mist. I guess it's the place where they I were. I think he said, like, the spirit dimension or oh, something like ooh. that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, wow, that's kind of scary. I know. Uh, the gang then is, like, magically... I guess he also cast a spell for them to just be outside the Brewski sister's house all of a sudden. Like, that was kind of weird. Uh, and then Flim Flam devises a plan that has Scooby and Shaggy 
rethinking their involvement in this entire thing. <laughs> also, can we talk about how the sisters' names are the Brewskis? Like, come on. <laughs> it does seem like uh, we'll get to it, but we'll learn that the Mist, that their name is called Marcella. And I do think that if you, like, went to a kindergarten class right now and you looked for an Ernestine, Wanda, Hilda, and Marcella, you would find two of each. Like, these are the (laughs) most fucking hipster names. Like, I know for a fact there are four Wandas in every kindergarten class right now. (laughs) Uh, The Brooksies are going through a spell book looking for ingredients. As As Ernestine is climbing a giant shelf and clumsily knocks it all over, causing the sisters to have to go out and buy new ingredients because everything's messed up. Great. All, yeah, right? Like, thanks, <laughs> Ernestine. We're about to be the most powerful witches, and now you're making us have more errands than what we already had to do, bitch. Um, at that moment, there's a knock at the door. They open it, and Shaggy and Scooby are revealed to be dressed as traveling salesmen who call themselves Crazy Shaggy and Crazy Scooby, who will sell you anything you want as long as you ask for it. They <laughs> offer to sell the girls uh, some ingredients. As they're doing that, they're distracting. They, they're a distraction. They cut off the lights. Uh, they try to steal the books when Flim Flam and Scrappy come in, who are also traveling salesmen, and try to distract the sisters with a sewer water cologne while Scooby and Shaggy switch the spell books with the encyclopedia Scoobtanica. I don't know if that's a <laughs> real book or not, but it sounds good. Do we think it's an encyclopedia about Scooby, or do we think it's an, ex- an encyclopedia from Scooby's perspective? Ooh, I like the second one better. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I also like the idea that it's an encyclopedia of all the Scooby family, like Scooby-Dum oh, and Scooby-Dee. I love it. Grandma, Grandpa Scooby. I love it. Yeah, Scooby's family appears in a lot of episodes. Yeah, they do. There's one episode where he has like a cousin who's a famous actress, and him and Scooby Dumb are both in love with her. And I'm like, this is your cousin, bro. Like, we just we like established that y'all are cousins. It's weird. When I was a kid, I always like equated, or for some reason, I always thought of Scooby Doo and Snoopy in like the same kind of universe. Where I thought Snoopy was kind of like the highbrow, grown up version of a TV dog. And Scooby was more like the cool, young, fun, st- <laughs> the cool cousin. <laughs> I love that you think Snoopy. I mean, they kind of sound similar. Or, um, you know, they're both highbrow. T- I know, right? I think it's just because he didn't talk, and I associated that with being an adult. The sisters then realize what's actually happening, so they cast a spell to send bat wings after the fleeing gang to retrieve the book. Scoob gives a good fight, but the sisters get the book back, and they head off from their brooms, when they cut back to Vincent Van Gogh wandering around in the mist, helping a cute little strange creature that's trapped. As he does that, Marcella the Witch makes herself known, no longer the mist, but in her demon form. Apparently she and Van Gogh know each other, I guess because he trapped her in that chest. Acts shocked as he watches her sit upon her throne, and after one too many insults, Marcella decides to hold Van Gogh captive with magical chains. So right away, I love Marcella. She's beautiful. I love the look. I love the design of her, like the super high cheekbones. I'm obsessed. Like, I'm obsessed with her. And then I feel like there's sexual tension between her and Vincent. I feel like she and Vincent have a very layered history that is very adult that I would like to know about in detail. This is Patricia White writing Vincent Van Gogh and Marcella fanfics. Listen, maybe. I'm into it. Listen, they could I go- also, I'm so glad you said that, dude. Yeah, like, dude. I really enjoy, like, her, uh, just, like, her look, everything about this character. Oh, yeah. I, it's one of the reasons I chose it. Snatch Game. That'd be a good Snatch Game character. <laughs> Talk about a niche Snatch Game character. <laughs> right? Roof Hall would be like, what the fuck is this high motherfucker talking about? Meanwhile, back on the show, the Brewskis are looking for a golden cobra rattle. Uh, it's one of the ingredients that they need to make the spell 13. Wanda decides to turn Hilda into a snake so it can distract the actual cobra that they're stealing the rattle from. When Shaggy and the gang in a plane, this is the mystery plane machine. <laughs> I don't know how Daphne has a plane, but she does. They decide to dress as a harem to distract the witches and steal the book once again. 
While the witches are escaping with the golden rattle, they see the gang in their costumes walking towards them. But before they can pull off one of Flim Flam's many schemes, the Brewskis decide to cast a spell that sends the scantily clad, dressed gang to Nome, Alaska. Okay, back in the spirit realm, Vincent Van Gogh begins to rain on Marcel's parade as he gloats that the Brewskis will inevitably <laughs> fuck up her plan. Because, I mean, he's met the Brewskis before. He knows they're kind of stupid. Uh, Marcella is certain that with the spell book, they will undoubtedly succeed. I was going to say, like, I do think Ma- Marcella, who seems like a lady who's got her life together, could have picked better witches than these three sisters. Yes. Who are pretty foolish. Um, but the spell book is a dope fucking spell book. This is like fucking Winifred Sanderson level spell book. This spell book's got all the goods. All you have to do is read it. So they're pretty good. Uh, but they weren't the best candidates for the job, I'm afraid. Agreed. Like, I agree with all <laughs> points made here, but I think Marcella didn't do an, as much discernment with these women as she should have done. Like, you're nice and all, but I need someone who's a little bit more competent. My favorite part of this segment is that when Hilda, when they dress Hilda up as a snake to distract, to distract the snake guard, uh, Hilda's way to distract him is by like asking him out on a romantic dinner, and suddenly both she <laughs> and the snake are sitting at a beautiful table with like wine and beautiful things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I so silly. forgot I to mention it. that. I love it. But Hilda, she's the star of this episode For so sure. far, man. Yeah. I should also point out that, like, earlier I talked about Bogle and Weird, who are, like, these ghost characters who typically uh, accompany, like, the Monster of the Week to try to steal the chest of demons to continue on their stuff. This is... They're not in this episode. This is, like, the fourth episode of the 13 that they do not appear in, which is weird, but I feel like the uh, Brewski sisters are kind of taking over that role that Bogle and Weird Weird normally do. Like, the bumbling idiots who are helping which is yeah. strange i don't know why they did that but you know whatever teach your own <laughs> i didn't really care for bogle and weird yeah i definitely prefer the sisters we then cut to the sisters trying to get sewer water when flim flam tries once more with his schemes <laughs> he offers to paint the sisters portraits pretending to be a famous artist he poses the sisters and offers to take the book because it's interfering with his vision, <laughs> which then causes Hilda to spill sewer water all over the gang, destroying their costumes. The gang runs away foiled yet again, but the Brewski sisters immediately fly off on their brooms to head to Stonehenge, book in tow. So the gang's failed once again. They cannot get this book from the fucking Brewskis. So far, the Brewskis are doing pretty good. Like uh, I was just going to say. Flim Flam. Who's dumb now, Vincent Van? <laughs> like, I think <laughs> I'm fucking winning, and I think you're chained up in the goddamn spirit realm. So maybe the Brewski sisters, everything's coming up, Brewski sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marcella then, after gloating, steals Vincent Van Gogh's magical necklace that holds all his powers. She doesn't like it because she says he has terrible taste in th- jewelry and then throws it away. It's ugly to her standards. That's where we see the cute little creature that Vincent Van Gogh helped earlier, carrying a bunch of, I guess, of Marcella's things. Turns out he's Marcella's slave. And so he sees the necklace on the ground and off camera kind of picks it up. We'll, he'll do something with that later. Flim Flam, never one to give up, decides he has one more plan. But everyone's like, you suck at this. They all fail. We can't do this anymore. He decides the last plan is to pose as witches that are pissed that the Brewskis are encroaching on their turf. The sisters introduce themselves to witch Daphne as Daphne asks to look at the book. When the sisters make a deal that they will show her the book, but if only they give her the tail of Scooby for a future spell. They need puppy dog tails for their spell, so they're like, give me this. Daphne's like, I'll give you this whole ass dog as she throws Scooby into a cauldron. Harsh, Daph. Harsh. Or it's really good to commit uh, and show how serious you're like, oh, you want a puppy dog tail? I'll give you this whole fucking dog. I don't give a shit. What's up, sis? Let's do this. <laughs> Marcella then appears as the mist once again, pissed that the witches brought other witches to be a part of the spell. That wasn't part of her plan. She's like, who are these motherfuckers? She then does this like wind magic thing that knocks away the costumes once again of our gang no longer in the disguises when flim flam somehow gets the book and throws it a hail mary style to <laughs> scooby 
as the brewskis go after Shaggy and Scooby, who have stolen one of the witch's brooms. Worried that this is the end for the gang, Daphne exclaims that they need the help of Vincent Van Gogh, as we cut to the cute creature running with a magical key to set Vincent Van Gogh free from his shackles as monsters approach. Van Gogh is happy that he's free, but he thinks he's lost because he doesn't have his magic necklace, which contains all his powers. Remember, that cute creature took that necklace and surprises Van Gogh with it, and Van Gogh immediately casts a spell to take him to Stonehenge. But he appears on top of the broomstick that Shaggy <laughs> and Scooby are riding to escape from the brewskis. And they're like, thank fucking Christ you're here, Vincent. Everything's going to hell. We need you right yeah. now. <laughs> Vincent, we're fighting witches. We need the person with magic, bro. Thanks. This Where isn't have Hocus Pocus. Come on. Uh, Scooby then immediately gives the spell book to Van Gogh, who does some revision. He pulls out a quill and starts writing the book and immediately hands it back to the Brewskis. Shaggy is pissed, but Van Gogh is like, no, no, it's part of my plan. It's going to work. Van Gogh then tells Flim Flim and Scrappy to get the chest of demons ready as the Brewskis stupidly read a banishing spell. That's right, Van Gogh wrote a banishing spell, sending Marcella back to the chest. Uh, foiled, I mean, Vincent was right, so Marcella immediately goes back into the chest of demons. They capture one of their demons. The sisters are obviously upset because they were told they were going to be the most powerful yeah. witches in all the world. Van Gogh's like, no, don't worry, you guys did a good job, but you're still going to suck as witches. Like, you're not going to be great <laughs> witches, but you did a good job here. Right. That's when Flim Flim was like, I'm glad you guys really enjoyed my work here at uh, Outsmarting Witches. That's why I have a book that I'm trying to sell you guys right now. <laughs> Flim Flim never wanted to leave an opportunity to sell. I feel like Flim Flim would be doing some multi-marketing uh, pyramid schemes nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, he would definitely be selling, like, uh, what is it that people, like, try to hawk on Facebook all the time? Oh, he's selling leggings. He's selling lip gloss. <laughs> he's selling insurance. He'd be selling all that shit. Mama. Oh, yeah. Flim Flim's trying to make a dollar. And I'm not mad. He's out here on his own. Honestly, I think Flim Flim is an orphan because he is not with parents. Whose parents letting their 10-year-old just, like, fly across the country with a dog and... And fight witches? Uh, strangers. Come on. I'm saying. Again, Daphne's there. Uh, she would give me some comfort as a parent, but still. After Flim Flim tries to sell his book, Shaggy and Scooby then say the most important lesson for all of them to learn is... We are witches of the night. We're so hot, we're out of sight. Sss, cooking. Na 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 Scooby doo be doo be And then the episode ends. Yay! Scooby doo, love it. Yeah, dude. Um, I really love this episode. I think it's high quality. Uh, really great Scooby doo edition here. Uh, some really interesting things about this specific episode in a fundamentalist christian documentary titled deception of a generation this episode in particular was heavily featured and profiled like criticizing the series for exposing children to the occult i mean the series in general like the magic and stuff and demons but like they really honed in in this episode which i think is fucking hilarious it's so dumb yeah man like and it's so funny that, like, fundamentalists have, like, all these random things that they're attacking at any given time. Like, the cult of the 80s, like, the satanic panic. Now it's drag queens. I'm just like, girls, like, get it together. What is it? What is it? These are not the problems, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. these are not Spoiler the things alert. we need to worry about. A little bit more about 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. This was the last series for Heather North to voice Daphne. It was also the final Saturday morning Scooby series that featured Scrappy. I think this is the last time Scrappy was featured in any of like the Scooby cartoon series, to be perfectly honest, which wow. is weird to think about, other than like the movies that featured him. But this is like, the last series that had Scrappy in it. Wow. Um, and it was the only one that had a pre-adolescent kid, Flim Flam, that was a part of the gang, like I said. This series was actually canceled by ABC. It never... Okay, so the title's 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo. I think they only caught 11 of the ghosts, Aww. and it was canceled before they could actually catch the last ghost of that. Um, I'm not entirely sure why they did not want to re 
explore this and catch the last ghost or go to a second season with that uh it was largely believed to be kind of due to budgetary problems so it was replaced with reruns of laugh olympics another great show but i think this is better not the same it yeah. ran until march of 1986 with reruns and then it was replaced uh with the laugh olympics and we didn't have a new scooby series on abc until two years later when they decided to air a pup named scooby doo wow pup day scooby doo is good yeah, man. I love a pup named Scooby-Doo. Also really funny. You probably noticed that the series is called, like, the 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo. There's a lot of 13s involved with all the episode, like the 13th or spell number 13. It's just, like, all coincidental that that's always in here. It shouldn't say coincidental. It's actually very intentional of course. that they have that. Uh, like, every episode has, like, kind of a kitschy title. This one's called... Um, when you witch upon a star which is obviously a parody of the song from pinocchio disney and every episode has like some kind of like pun involved with it yeah which i think is really weird i love it so if you were worried that like this episode kind of left you on a cliffhanger we don't know what happens with the rest of the ghosts of scooby or 13th ghost of scooby doo don't worry in 2019, I believe they made a movie, a wow. Scooby-Doo movie called Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the 13th Ghost. <gasps> yeah, so it picks up where this left off. However, there are some continuity errors with that, mm. but I'll talk a little bit about this that movie. Uh, you can watch it, but again, this is spoilers in case you want to watch that. Fred and Velma are set in the movie because they are a part of the movie. Okay. Uh, Fred, Velma, Daphne, Scooby, and Shaggy only are a part of the movie. Uh, and then we meet like a grown-up Flim Flam and Vincent Van Gogh in this. But Fred and Velma are like, what the fuck? What is, what is this crystal ball? Like, how? what is this? When Vincent Van Gogh calls Shaggy and Daphne and Scooby to find the last ghost that they left alone for 30 years. Uh, but it was said that Fred and Velma were at summer camps. But the new Scooby-Doo mystery said that they were working different jobs. So that didn't really make sense. But maybe they were working at a summer camp. You know what I'm saying? There were some other kind of like continuity issues with the movie compared to a TV show. They never mentioned Scrappy until adult Flim Flam was like, wasn't Scrappy a part of this? <laughs> like the entire movie, they don't mention Scrappy Doo, which is really funny. And then they never mentioned Bogle and Weird, but I mean, we didn't either because they're not in this episode and they're not that important to anything. Right. That's Bam. all I'm saying. Bam. And that is essentially the 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Highly recommend for people to watch it. It's on Boomerang if you have that. I think there also might be some YouTube. But it's one of my favorite series of Scooby-Doo. And if you don't agree, then you're stupid. <laughs> I totally you agree. agree. You're great. It's a really, really fun show. Okay, Especially, thank you. like, if you have, maybe you have kids, and maybe you haven't thought about 13th Ghosts of Scooby-Doo since 1985, put it on for your kids. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Before we wrap up this episode, we want to give a special shout out to our two new Patreons, Lauren and Candace. We love you so, so much. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Yay. Thank it you. Mean, it means the world to us, to all of you, to everyone who listens, but especially those people who go check out our Patreon page. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or embarrassing confessions, please send us an email at thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Again, that's thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at thewaybackrecappod. If you'd like to support the show and or listen to bonus content and exclusive episodes, visit our Patreon page. Our original cover art is by Laura Strobush. Remember, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow or subscribe to the Wayback Recap. If you enjoyed yourself, please rate and review the show. But if that's too much... We totally get it. Tell a friend. Preferably the responsible friend who will rate and review the show. And join us next time. I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. On behalf of the Wayback Recap, take take care care of each each other, other, y'all.